nothing to do with what came across my mind at the time. <laughs> so I don't even know how this correlates. Somebody can help me later. But anyways, I just felt like God is bringing our church and the church in general like into a new season and that there's about to be a shift that's going to happen. A shift that's going to happen. I just felt it this morning. Yeah. But for our church body in particular, like I was thinking, and like I said, the, what I was thinking and what I think it was just God just, the anointing just was coming through that screen. And, but I just felt like there's going to be a new shift in our church body. Like something's going to, we've been seeing little breakthroughs, little things happening, but I think there's just going to, and I don't know when, but I feel like soon, like you can feel this anticipation. And I just felt like God was saying, get ready, get ready. We're going to have a new season. So, yeah. I heard Anna back there saying, tell us the rest of the dream. I, Oh, no, that's okay. I usually cut out all the rambling at the beginning anyway. Well, I, I can't accurately repeat it or I'd be like totally watering it down and misinterpreting. But but basically the, the, the lambs, the sheep, are going to turn into the lions that God has intended us to be. After we get rid of all of our ticks, they turn into lions. Ah, the lionesses have babies. Ah, so see, there's going to be a quickening as as we who are already Christians transform into the image of Christ. I'm just going to interpret it from the biblical perspective because our our design by God is that we come into the, the kingdom as babies, as little children, and we grow into maturity, becoming more and more like Christ. We become transformed into the image of Jesus. God's plan is that we would do the same things Jesus did on the earth, that we would be like him, that we would represent him in the earth. I'm not saying that you become God, so I'm not, because you are not God, I am not God, we are just created beings. But Jesus came so that he could take away the, the debt of sin and the, the issue of our lives being separated from God, and he reconciled us to, to God. We are reconciled to God through Christ. And it's through that, that relationship of being reconciled that we, as we enter into this relationship with God, we are transformed as we behold him, as we worship him, as we know him. Hey, welcome. We're just getting ramped up, man. We're getting a little s slow start here, but awesome. Um, yeah, as he, his intent is that we would become more and more like Jesus. God's number one mission on planet earth for us as believers is to undo the works of the devil the devil's been having a heyday he's been having a, a good old time because he knows his time is short he knows his time is limited and he's trying to steal kill and destroy as much as possible before the end and with all of that said i'm not trying to put a heavy on all of us you know god has already won the battle the victory has already been secured, and the victor, King Jesus, is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. And he has brought you and I, as believers, into a relationship with him. He has, he has hidden your life in Christ, and you are right now actually seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. We're stuck here on earth. We are bilocational, so to speak. We're here on earth in the body, but in the spirit, we are seated with Christ. So as we worship tonight, as we get ready to um, spend this time just exalting Jesus and, and allowing the, the songs that we hear become something that our heart can agree with and grab onto and declare out of our mouths, there's a shifting that will happen. As it comes into us, as, as we hear and see truth and the knowledge of God, and then it comes into our being and we agree with it, we say, yes, this is what I agree with, then we speak it out, we are actually getting transformed at the same time. Yeah. The word of God is powerful. The word of God transforms us. And hopefully most of the songs that we sing come from the word of God. Um, so as we worship God, we experience transformation through the truth. And it's also by the spirit of God who is moving, who is, who is resting on our gatherings when we worship. See, the Bible says that God inhabits our praises. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. 
that when our praise goes up, his presence comes down and rests on us. Now, you're already a vessel of the Spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit in you if you're a Christian, but there's more. God wants to flood you on the inside. He, He wants to fill you and overflow, and he also wants to let his presence descend over a gathering of his sons and daughters. So it's a win-win. It's like he's going to explode on you, inside of you on the inside. He's also going to come and immerse you on the outside. And that's the the joy that we get experience, that in this place of worship, that, that we can be renewed and refreshed and hear the voice of God. We can become transformed more and more into the likeness and image of Christ. And it's good because in the presence of God, there is righteousness, there is peace, and there is joy in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you guys, but I need peace. I need righteousness. I need joy. I need the joy of the Lord in my life. Um, and in, the, in this season we're all in, as we get ready to worship, it's an opportunity for us to take our burdens, lay all of our, our concerns down, and just give him your full attention. So are you guys ready to do that tonight? comes straight out of the word of God so awesome so the joy of the Lord is your strength if you need strength tonight let something inside of your heart find it in you to rejoice in the Lord find your joy in the Lord because he really is good he really is faithful and, and true and good so why don't we stand up let's get ready to worship guys Oh, Father, we just, we love you. We welcome your spirit here tonight. We just say, fire of God, fall on us tonight. We want to feel that shift that we're feeling and that we're talking about tonight. God, we just want you to come. We want you to wreck us. God, we don't want to leave here the same. Come and inhabit our praises tonight, God. We want you here. We want to feel you here tonight, Father. God, we lay everything down. God, the good, the bad, the ugly, God, we lay it all down at your feet tonight. God, come have your way tonight. Come have your way. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're my one thing. You're my one thing, Jesus, that I treasure. That's so precious to me, Jesus. We belong to you, Jesus. You put your seal on our forehead, and we belong to you. We declare that we belong to you. Our lives belong to you, Jesus. Our relationships belong to you, Jesus. Our finances belong to you, Jesus. Our jobs and our careers and our vocational interests belong to you, Jesus. Our children belong to you, Jesus. Our loved ones, our husbands, our spouses, our mothers and our fathers belong to you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for salvation, that our families and our households are saved because of your precious blood. We thank you for your mercy and for your wonderful grace that is new every single morning that yesterday is behind us and that we don't have to look back anymore but we can look ahead we can look to the hills where our help comes from for you are our help you are our fortress you are our strong tower and we can run to you and be safe Thank you, Jesus, for safety. Thank you that we can run in your arms and lay our head on your bosom and you can embrace us. And then we don't have to care about anything, but know that you love us and that you're going to take care of everything. Thank you that we can rest in you, Jesus. And that's the truth, that we can rest in you, that you are our peace. You are our strength. That is the truth. 
You are the truth. You are the life. You are the way. You are the only way. We've tried it all. We've tried different ways and none of them worked. But Jesus, your way works and you are the way. You are the great I am. And because you are, we can do all things through you, Jesus, because you strengthen us in our time of need. We can come to your throne and we can come boldly in our time of need and get mercy. Thank you for your mercy. We lift you up tonight. We lift you up high above every circumstance and every situation. And we declare that you are God of heaven and earth, that you are God of our hearts. We open up our hearts tonight to you, Jesus, and we invite you to have your way tonight. Have your way in our hearts and seal it tonight, God, that the enemy will not be able to rob us of your word and of your encouragement. Thank you for what you're about to give us tonight, you. Thank you for giving us you. Thank you for giving us you. We belong to you, Jesus. We declare that our salvation is secure with you. We love you. We bless you. We glorify you. We honor you. And we bow down before you. For you are holy. You said in your word that whoever offers you praise glorifies you. So we offer our praise to you, Jesus. And we invite you to sup with us this evening and to fellowship with us tonight. You're welcome in this place, Lord. You are welcome. We came here tonight to sup with you, to fellowship with you, to receive from you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. King Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are here, that you're here. And when you are in the room, your kingdom is advancing. Yeah, we just welcome your, your rule and your reign. We welcome your kingdom. Let your kingdom come tonight, Lord, even more. Lord, we know your presence has been here from the moment we walked in. Probably every one of us carrying your presence into the room with us. We thank you, Lord, that you're here, that you're establishing your rule and your reign. We welcome it, Lord. We welcome you in. We just say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done right now, right here in us, Lord, just like it is in heaven. Let heaven rain down on us tonight. Catch us up into your presence, Lord. Catch us up into your throne room, into the holy of holies. There's no high like the most high. And if that's all I do when we come together is get a little tipsy in his presence. You know. Some of you, you haven't maybe learned how to drink yet. You're definitely old enough because there's no junior Holy Spirit. But learn to drink. Learn to drink him in. Learn to drink his presence in. You know, in the world we... People, we turn to stuff, substances, drink, smoke, whatever, 
to bring us peace. And that peace is it's temporary, it's fake, it's, it's not the real deal, but Jesus comes to give you and I peace. Peace that will last. You don't have to go to a, a store where they sell certain kinds of products to get the peace of God. So I just pray now that the peace of God that, that goes beyond all of our understanding, all of your thinking, all of your imagination, the depths and the heights and the, the lengths of his peace would, would just fall down on each one of us now. His peace would just descend over us, that the peace of God that transcends all understanding would, would come now and guard everyone's heart and everyone's mind as we've put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can put our trust in you. Before we shift gears too much here, don't want to flip the car over if I turn too fast. Uh, Kelly shared a testimony of just something happening in his lungs while we were worshiping. He felt like there was a healing that was taking place, uh, tingling on your lips because of the oxygen levels you felt were increasing. Is that correct? So he's touching that tonight. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Lord. So, so, I, we we take a testimony when God's doing something in the room. Before I even move on, does anyone else feel like they had something happen in their body tonight? Maybe you came in with pain, or some kind of issue, and and God has has healed it or touched you. Does anybody have that happen tonight? Nobody. Okay. So, when a testimony happens. The, the scripture says in Revelation, I think it's 1911 or 1917, somewhere in there. I can look it up if you really want to know the address. But it says in Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we believe that when, when Jesus does something in somebody's life, a healing happens, that testimony prophesies. It is, it is the spirit of prophecy that is on that testimony, on that healing. In other words, God wants to pay it forward. He wants to release the same thing to someone else. So if, if you're here tonight with a lung issue or maybe you've had fear that COVID is going to get you or, or anything else, pneumonia. Pneumonia is pretty bad too. Or any kind of lung issue. If, if you have something that you're dealing with, I would just love, we don't have to do anything scary. We won't make you come up into the front here. But if that's you, why don't you just stand up where you're at? If, if, you, if you want us just to release that testimony that, that my brother over here, your name just dropped off my... Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> I mean, smelly and... No. <laughs> the testimony that, that God did with Kelly, we just want to declare it over you. So if anyone else, if you have anything with your lungs that you want God just to... To reinforce protection, you too. You want to stand? Can you can you stand? Anybody else? We're not going to ask you to come up to the front. So why don't a couple of you around them just just get around them, stick a hand on them if it's okay. I, I know you guys. You don't mind if someone puts a hand on you. So we're not we're not going to do anything super weird or or long winded. We're just going to. We're just going to pray a quick prayer over you. So we just release the testimony of Jesus in this room tonight. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you have done for Kelly, and we release that now. We, we declare healing and protection in the lungs of your daughters in this room that have stood up. We release that now in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, God, that it, it is your will to heal. It is your will to strengthen and release power and life in Jesus' name. So we declare life in the name of Jesus. Life in the name of Jesus. Life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just breathe them in. Just breathe in the presence of God. If you, if you need to sit, that's, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah, just breathe them in. I mentioned this last week or maybe it was Friday night. You know, Jesus had his disciples in front of him and before he, uh, I think it was before the cross, actually, 
he breathed into their nostrils. He said, and then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is God. The Holy Spirit is, we often refer to him as the third person of the Trinity. God is one God existing in three persons. Um, we believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so the Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is a he. It is, it is the person of God. It is the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus. And so we welcome him in and we breathe him and we, we bask in his presence. You know, there's, there's something we're going to learn tonight, too, about the presence that's really cool. Um, when we read that word in the Bible, the presence of God, in the Aramaic and Hebrew, it's also translated as face. So when you are asking God for his presence, <laughs> that's pretty cool. You're, you're saying, Lord, let your face, let your face be towards me. Let your face come shine upon me. Turn your face towards me. Most of us are like, God, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess. I'm undone. I, I've, I've got, you know, warts and things. You know, I just, I'm, I'm not a sight to behold. But no, he, he is madly in love with every one of you, every one of his created sons and daughters on this planet. And it's his heart to draw everyone close to himself. And if you're a son or a daughter of God, you've already been born again. You've received the spirit of sonship and you are now a child of God, even more so do you have the right to run into his presence, to run before his face, and to receive from him everything you need. He's not stingy, and don't, don't let the mindset of God is kind of holding back from me. He's, he's not stingy. He doesn't withhold. The, the problem's not on his end. So I would encourage you guys as we, as we move forward tonight, just... Let the word of God just rest on you tonight. Let, let the reading of the scriptures just kind of minister to your, your spirit. You might not feel anything as we go through the rest of the evening, but you know there's more that we catch in our spirit than what is actually heard with our ears. They say there's more that's caught than taught. So you might not feel anything. You might not be like, wow, my brain is just exploding with all this knowledge that Scott's bringing. No, <laughs> I, I'm not that good. I'm not, I'm not a, I don't know, you could list, list your favorite preacher. We'll just do that. We're going to go ahead and sit down with y'all. Are you good? Do I care if you go, should I care if she go grabs a cup of water? Well, welcome. Welcome, our first time guy here. Hope you're, hope you're at home. Hope all of you are at home. I just want everyone to be relaxed and not feel, don't mean to make anyone feel like a spotlight's on them, but we just want everyone to feel um, relaxed, like you're, you're in the house here. And, you know, there's, there's no obligation to do anything or uh, perform or do anything. I'm not going to perform for you guys. I wouldn't expect you to do, this, do the same thing either. Um, so we're just going to dive into the Word of God. We are going to take communion together. I really felt like this portion of Hebrews, um, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 9. I know it says 11 to 28. It's actually the whole chapter. Because again, I'll confess, I stole this, this graphic from Google. Okay, so someone else created it. I'll, I'll, I'll give the honor to the creators. It's a church called Reality Church. So that, that's all I'm going to tell you. But I did steal the graphic because I'm not that talented. I can't make a cool graphic like that on my own. So unfortunately, I couldn't figure out how to erase the 1 on the 11 and make it 1 through 28. Last week, you guys were lucky. You only had to go through 13 verses. This week, we've got double that. But you should have stayed home this week. <laughs> Sorry, Jill. But no, it's actually, it's actually going to flow fairly quickly and smoothly, and it's going to lead us right up to time of, a time of communion. I really believe that you guys are going to get some fun stuff out of this tonight. I got some fun graphics that I, that I showed last week. I actually edited it a little bit. There's a video clip that we're going to uh, experience together of, well, let's just go for it. You ready? All right. You can either put your seatbelt on or take it off, whatever's comfortable. There is no belt law in this room. So here we go. So we are in Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 1. This is the Passion Translation, if you didn't know that already, if you haven't been here 
I chose to use the Passion Translation, but I would encourage you all to read through the whole book of Hebrews. Read the whole Bible, actually, but read the book of Hebrews and maybe go back and read chapter 9 in the English Standard Version or the New International or whatever version God has blessed you with, a nice leather-bound Bible or whatever you choose to pull up on your iPhone or tablet, you know, whatever version you want. But the Passion is just has some really cool nuances. I don't like everything in it, and I'll probably point maybe a thing or two out, but maybe I won't. I don't know. Here we go. Let's go for it. So now, in the first covenant, speaking of the Old Testament, there were specific rules for worship, including a sanctuary on earth to worship in. When you entered the tabernacle, I know we laughed last week at the word tabernacle because it looks like barnacle from a distance or something like that. But a tabernacle was the temple. When you entered the tabernacle, you would first come into the holy chamber. So the first part was the holy chamber where you would find the lampstand and the bread of his presence on the fellowship table. Then as you pass through the next curtain, you would enter into the innermost chamber called the holiest sanctuary of all. It contained the golden altar of incense and the Ark of Covenant Mercy, which was a wooden box covered entirely with gold. So, I read it. I'm just going to briefly say a couple things. <clears throat> Number one, we're talking about the temple of God, and it consisted of two parts, two compartments. You had the holy place and the holy of holies. In his version, he calls it the holiest sanctuary of all. But it's, it was, most of us know it as the most holy place or the holy of holies. That is the place where the Ark of the Covenant was at. And if all of you have probably watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, I asked that last week. Um, some of us own copies of it. So you've seen depictions of what the box looks like. And if you know your Bible and if you know the Bible history, the Ark of the Covenant was that box that contained, well, we're going to read about it, but I'll just say one item that's in it, the Ten Commandments, the two stone tablets that had the Ten Commandments were inside that box. And that box was kept in that place called the Holy of Holies. And it's in that room where the presence of God, the Shekinah glory is what people of the Bible has described it as. The presence of God, the manifest presence would dwell in that room. And the priest was only allowed to go in there once a year and only with the blood of the Passover lamb. But I'm jumping a little bit ahead. I just kind of wanted to give you guys a quick backdrop of this section two compartments the holy place and the holy of holies holy place daily practices were happening daily activity of the priests were going on the holy of holies only once a year with the blood of the lamb and that is where the presence of god was manifesting beyond the curtain so we are going to look at this quick little video clip i trimmed it down to like one minute 45 seconds so you can time it Last week we described these things. There's where the burnt offerings would happen. There's the brazen sea where all the ceremonial washing water would come from. So we're going to quickly go past that and go straight into the temple. And the first place we go into is the most, not the most holy, the holy place. This is where you had the candelabras that were to burn day and night, 24-7. You had the table of showbread, which always was to be before the presence of the Lord. The altar of incense, which in the Passion Translation, he says it's beyond the veil, so I'm not too sure about that. And of course, that's not a curtain, but it should be. <laughs> and then you go into this Egyptian-looking holy of holies, and uh, there's where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is just someone's recreation, but I think the Ark of the Covenant that they have here in the video it's probably pretty close. And the top of the ark was called the mercy seat. It was like the throne of God. And that is where the blood was sprinkled every year. Again, I don't know why they chose to do golden doors that folded because it was a temple veil. It was made out of woven together materials that were torn from top to bottom when Jesus was on the cross. And he said, it is finished and the curtain ripped in half 
but I use the video because it's actually pretty cool graphics. So maybe next week, because we're going to talk about the temple a little bit more in, in chapter 10 about the priest, the priestly duties of, of the Old Testament priest and how Jesus has, is now our high priest. Um, I might use the Minecraft video that I saw. It's actually kind of fun. It's not as detailed with all the, all the pomegranates and palm trees, but, you know, some kid put a lot of effort into it, and he's, like, serious about it. I'll probably not include his voice, but just for fun, just for the youngsters in the room. They'll be like, cool, Minecraft. <laughs> Ethan's like, no, not anymore. <clears throat> all right, so here we go. Placed inside the Ark of the Covenant, Mercy was the golden jar with mystery manna inside. He translated it as mystery-manna because the word manna means, what is it? (laughs) The Jews, when they were wandering after they escaped from Egypt, how God delivered them from Egypt, and he rained, rained down these like snowflakes of sweet bread all over the ground. They were only to eat what they could eat for that day, not keep it stored away, not hoard it because God provided fresh bread every day. And they were like, what is it? That's what they called it. Manna means what is it? Or it also could be interpreted as the word mystery. So it's the mystery manna inside this jar. Aaron's resurrection rod. So there was a staff that had sprouted buds on it. It was kept inside of the ark. And the stone tablets engraved with the covenant laws. On top of the lid of the ark were two cherubim, angels of splendor with outstretched wings overshadowing the throne of mercy. But now is not the time to discuss further the significant details of these things. I guess that means we're just going to move on and not talk about it anymore. One last little picture. I just thought that was kind of cool. Just in case you need a a graphic, just to stick in your head a little bit. So when you go back and read this, you just kind of picture the description that the writer of Hebrews is, is describing to you about the temple layout. Last week we learned that that the measurements, the, the, the diagram of the temple here on earth was so significant and important to God that he made sure Moses wrote down all of the measurements with accuracy because the earthly temple is a shadow or type of something real in the heavenly realm. We're going to read a little bit more about that tonight. If you want to know more, read chapter 8. Actually, start with chapter 1 and just work your way up But So here we are, verse 6. So with this prescribed pattern of worship, the priests would routinely go in and out of the first chamber to perform their religious duties, daily activity. And the high priest was permitted to enter into the holiest sanctuary of all, or the Holy of Holies, only once a year. And he could never enter without first offering sacrificial blood, both for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Hopefully by now you guys are catching a picture of all of this functioning of the old priesthood that Jesus has replaced. Now, verse 8, the Holy Spirit uses the symbols of this pattern of worship to reveal that the perfect way of holiness had not yet been unveiled. For as long as the tabernacle stood, it was an illustration that pointed to our present time of fulfillment demonstrating that offerings and animal sacrifices had failed to perfectly cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. So everything that was being done that God commanded the priests to do all throughout the year never could remove sins. It never could completely clean and remove the sinful condition of the worshipers. For this old pattern of worship was a matter of external rules and rituals concerning food and drink and ceremonial washings, which was imposed upon us until the appointed time of heart restoration had arrived. So this was God's plan. This was to be done. All of these offerings, all of these washings, all of this temple worship was to keep in place until the fulfillment had come. And that fulfillment is in Jesus. But now the anointed one, Jesus, our king, has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. For he serves in a greater, more perfect, heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, it's not a part of this creation. And he has entered once and forever into the holiest sanctuary of all, not with the blood of animal sacrifices, 
but with the sacred blood of his own sacrifice. And he alone has made our salvation secure forever. Say forever. Forever. It is done. It is finished. It is complete. There is now no more need for sacrifice. Jesus has completed it. He has fulfilled the sacrificial law. He has made atonement. He has made an offering of himself to cover our sins. That is good news. And according to this verse, he didn't just die on the cross and the temple veil on earth was ripped in two, but something happened in the heavenly realm. Something happened that we cannot really wrap our minds around and comprehend and get a visual of. We can only imagine, only wonder what this looks like. But Jesus himself, when he ascended, he went into the most holy place, this, this place in heaven, this place where the presence of God rules and reigns, where the angels are worshiping around the throne. There is a temple that exists in the heavenly realm. And in that temple, that is where Jesus came and presented himself as our great high priest, not with the blood of a sacrificed animal, but with his precious, perfect sacrifice, his own blood. And he did it to present it to God on behalf of you and me. You are forgiven. Your sins have been covered. Your sins have been removed. You are no longer held accountable for your list, your big, long laundry list of sin from birth till death. The issue of your life between you and God is no longer your sin. So what is the issue? Since Jesus took your sin upon himself when he went to the cross, he, he carried your sin upon himself. He bore our sins in his body while he was nailed to the cross. And then when it was done, he said, it is finished, debt paid in full. The, the penalty we face now is whether or not we receive what he did or we reject it. We either receive the, the perfect sacrifice, the gift of God, the free gift of salvation, the free gift of his offering of his own life on the cross for you and for me to wipe out our sin debt. He already carried it. Whether you reject him or receive him, he already bore your sins in his body on the, on the tree, the scripture says, on the cross. So when we one day stand before God, it's not going to be the list of your do's and don'ts, and your, you're not going to be put on a scale of, well, did I, was I good enough to get in, or was I bad enough to not get in and go to the other place? I'll quit, I'll quit preaching. Let's read the word. Hopefully I read all of that. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. In other words, you had blood sprinkled on you, you had ashes of a burnt up cow, a heifer um, put on you. All of this stuff was ceremonial ritual that was meant to be an outward way of making you able to go into the presence of God to a certain point. Even the priest could only go into the presence of God once a year, the high priest with the blood of the lamb. Verse 14, yet how much more will we, excuse me, I'm, I'm speaking NIV now, how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. You have been given access to worship and serve the living God. Jesus has paid it all. He has made a way for you and me to go into the presence of God, to worship God, to, to lay our lives down, to receive from him. He's a good father. We sang about it tonight. You are good. You are good. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Hey. Oh. You know, we've sing a lot of funny things sometimes, but it's all good. Jesus is wonderful. And we're going to take communion really quick here. Not really quick, but soon. Um, when we get to the end of the chapter. I, I just want, I, I hope, I, I pray, I trust that each one of us, when we take communion tonight, 
We're just going to worship on our own. We're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time just worshiping him, just singing to him and holding the communion elements together. And then as you just communicate your love and your, your lifting of your life to him in, in worship, you get to take it on your own. You get, to, you get to have an interaction with Jesus just between you and him. That's, that's kind of how this is going to be set up tonight. Let's move on to verse 15. So Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation will receive the eternal inheritance he has promised to his heirs. For he died to release us from the guilt of the violations committed under the first covenant. If you have a guilty conscience, you need to get rid of it. He doesn't want his sons and daughters to go around carrying the guilt of sin that he already paid for. He wants to take shame and remove it off of you. You were not born again to carry shame. Shame is not your clothing. There therefore is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Condemnation has to go. Conviction is not the same as condemnation. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. He's working into the innermost secret places of your spirit. And he's telling you things. He's like, son, daughter, I want you to let this thing go. I want you to look to me for help to get rid of that habit. Because you were, you were made for more than this. You were born to walk high above this. You were actually born again to rule and reign in life as a royal son, a royal daughter. Rule and reign. Not be held captive. Not be weighed down by chains and, and snared up and, and caught up in, in the, the tricks and the snares and the habits and the things that whether you invite it or the devil kind of throws it in front of you and you get caught up in it. We're not born to stay trapped up in that. We were born to rule and reign and to, to walk in victory because Jesus has won the victory. So this is hopefully good news to you guys. I'm not tickling ears either. This is not ear tickling. I'm not saying you don't have any responsibility that everyone's going to be saved and, and everyone's going to heaven in the end. It doesn't matter what you do. You can just live like, live like a demon. You know, and... Anyway, so verse 16. Now a person's last will and testament can only take effect after one has been proven to have died. Okay, so think of a will. Think of your, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say it, your parents, because everyone in here's parents are probably still alive. Maybe some of us have lost our parents. But anyway, when it comes to wills, when someone writes a will, it's because they want their belongings to go to somebody when they die, correct? Okay, so the will, the new covenant that we call the New Testament, this is a, the new will of God that, is, that has been ushered in, replacing the old agreement of God to worship God through ceremonial, ritual, and trying to obey tons of laws. Okay, so God has created a new way. And now this a person's last will and testament can only take effect after one has been proven to have died. Otherwise, the will cannot be in force while the person who made it is still alive. So this is why not even the first covenant was inaugurated without the blood of animals. If you guys remember the picture, Moses laid out the halves of animals. And anyway, there's a lot of blood, a lot of sacrifice taking place in the Old Testament. For Moses ratified the covenant, verse 19. He ratified the covenant after he gave the people all the commandments of the law. He took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and a hyssop branch, and he sprinkled. I should have just got a bucket of blood and water, and you guys would be like, I'm not coming back to that place ever again. Well, imagine what the people of Israel were thinking when Moses was doing this stuff. They are probably like, wah, you're getting my clothes dirty with blood. Sprinkled both the people and the book of the covenant sprinkled everything with that blood saying this is the blood of the covenant that God commands you to keep when there's a sacrifice involved that means God means business this is serious to God so we shouldn't take something that required death lightly in order for it to be put into effect verse 21 and later Moses also sprinkled the tabernacle 
you know, it was a pretty gold video that we watched. Everything was shiny. But actually, Moses also sprinkled the tabernacle with blood and every utensil and every item used in their service of worship. Actually, nearly everything under the law was purified with blood since forgiveness only comes through an outpouring of blood. Keep that in mind tonight. When you're holding your communion bread and, and juice, remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus had to do this for us. He had to put the will into effect by going to the cross. He couldn't just say, I'm going to make a new decision. I'm going to tell you guys who I am. I'm going to reveal all of my glory to you now. And I'm going to just say, let's burn the old temple and the, and the law. And, and I'm going to tell you a new way. It had to be put into effect through the offering of, of himself on the cross. This, I believe, is the second to the last portion. And so it was necessary for all the earthly symbols of the heavenly realities to be purified with these animal sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves required a superior sacrifice than these. It's interesting. I don't know if you guys think about this or, or really ever or often consider that Jesus went to the cross for us and his blood was taken into, I don't, I don't know how this all worked, but he presented himself and his own blood into the third, the third heaven, into the heavenly realm where this temple was at. He presented his own blood there. I usually just limit it to the earthly temple and the cross, you know, and the temple veil being torn, and then the Holy Spirit comes pouring out. I often, most of the time, I don't think about what Jesus has actually done and where he has gone ahead of us, let alone thinking of him as our great high priest. But this book, Hebrews, awakens us to this reality, this priestly reality of our King Jesus. He's your priest. He's your mediator. He's the one who has gone before you and me on our behalf to stand before God and be our our representative, our great high priest. So <clears throat> verse 25, under the old system, year after year, the high priest entered the most holy sanctuary with blood that was not his own. And here's the last couple verses. But the Messiah did not need to repeatedly offer himself year after year, for that would mean he must su uh, suffer repeatedly ever since the fall of the world. But now, he has appeared at the fulfillment of the ages to abolish sin once and for all by the sacrifice of himself. It is finished. The issue of sin has been dealt with. Justice has not been brought to complete everything, but there will be a day of the vengeance of the Lord. There will be a day when all will be held to account. But until then, we celebrate what Jesus did for us. Verse 27, every human being is appointed to die once. Guess what? If you're here in this room, you're alive and breathing, you have an appointment someday. Appointment with Mr. Death. I don't know if he's got a big black robe and a sickle hanging over his shoulder, but you're getting, she's getting raptured. Well, okay, if you're getting raptured, I'm right behind you. So the first will be last. In the, anyway, so... It's appointed that we all die someday. Whether you're raptured, you're going to shed your body anyway during that process. But that sounds like a more pleasant way to go. I don't want to burn. I don't want to drown. I don't want to be smothered out. Or I don't want my head cut off either. <clears throat> so, a thousand ways to die. <laughs> Isn't that a movie or something? Verse 28. TV show? Uh, okay. I probably won't watch that one. I don't know. I might. I'm curious. I'm curious. So, verse 28. But when we die, we will be face to face with Christ. The one who experienced death once and for all to bear the sins of many. And now to those who eagerly await him, that's us, he will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to bring us the fullness of salvation. So let's stand. The cross is empty. Jesus is not hanging on the cross anymore. Some churches... Um, you know, I have nothing against our Catholic brothers and sisters. Many of them, just like many in the Christian church, are actually saved. 
But guess what? Not everyone that goes to a, a service is saved. Not everyone is born again. Just as there are many in this, this type of gathering that could come and go, may not really know Jesus, may not have a relationship with God. Just like in the Catholic Church, it's the same way. You might think, well, you know, I'm anti-Catholic. You know, they're, that's why I'm a Protestant, because we protested. You know, the reality is there are many dearly beloved saints in the Catholic Church. There are spirit-filled Catholics. There are spirit-filled Lutherans. There are spirit-filled Baptists. Hallelujah. Oh, you're just getting a shrug over there? Shoulder shrug. Oh, okay. Well, you're in the sweet spot over there. You got the heat blasting on you. So, so the reality is, guys, the cross is empty. The cross is no longer holding the body of our king. The cross is over. He's going to come again. He's going to come again. Not to die again. He's going to come to bring us into the fullness of our salvation. So I want to invite you guys. Um, I'm going to put this down. And I'm going to invite you guys to come up and grab your communion elements from Tammy and I. And let's go ahead and do that now. consume it we exchange our lives for what you've done for us we say here we are have my life as I take in and, and eat and, and put inside of myself all that you've done for me all that you are for me so we just eat this bread tonight if you haven't already let's go ahead and take it get ready to drink the cup I just declare over us tonight our sins have been forgiven the blood of Jesus has been poured out for the removal for the remission of our sins our sins have been taken away and we thank you Jesus as we drink this cup we thank you that we are now made holy through your blood we remember what you did. We will never forget your sacrifice. And as we drink it, Lord, we drink in healing because your blood brought healing to our bodies. So we just pull on heaven tonight for divine health, for healing in our bodies, healing in our hearts, our minds, healing in our thinking. We thank you, Lord. Jesus. All right, guys, guys and gals, we are officially dismissing, but if you want to receive some personal prayer, there's a, a group of us that will be hanging out up here in the front, so if you want some prayer, if you need some breakthrough, there's just something you need, you need fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to agree with you with before God. And we're going to invite you just to come up. We're going to spend some time praying. Otherwise, take your time, fellowship, eat up that food that, that some folks brought. I know Ed brought part of it, but there's some goodies up there.